Good morning. Welcome to Cornerstone. Uh, I'm Lucas. I'm an elder here. Uh, we have a few announcements this morning. Uh, to start off, uh, we do have a Discover Lunch during second service today. Uh, if, you, if you're still interested in that, then see Larry uh, immediately and let him know that you're coming. Um, also, youth will meet tonight, 7 to 9, Center 242. Uh, we have our baptism service coming up on August the 14th at Camp Dickinson. Uh, if you think, feel like you need to get baptized or take the next step, see Mike or one of the elders here. We'll get you set up for that. It should be exciting. Um, and I just want to mention, I know Chris already talked about it a little bit. I'm sure Mike will too. What a great week we had in praising the park. Uh, lots of people came out. Lots of kids were touched this past week. Uh, the thing I wanted to say, though, was I took a second or two. I actually did help, but I did take a little break. And I was just watching uh, as we were loading the trailer out here. There must have been 50 people and just just putting work in. And they loaded that trailer and had it down there and set up in just a few minutes. Uh, so, you know, this week we're going to be talking about discipleship at work. We're in a series called um, Everyday Disciple. Uh, two weeks ago, Mike uh, introduced us to the sermon. Last week, Austin and uh, Mike were talking about hospitality, and Austin talked about uh, how he used uh, the dinner table uh, to, to do discipleship. So this week we're on work. Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, me, uh, outside of church here, I'm a PE teacher and driver's ed instructor at Grace County High School. I do some coaching as well. Uh, how many of you remember your driving instructor from high school? And most of you could tell me a story about it. So I have a unique opportunity to do discipleship at work. Uh, not only with students, but also, you know, I work with colleagues every day, too. Um, you know, and I found, you know, as we're getting into this about discipleship at work, uh, thinking about it, things go a whole lot better for me as far as discipleship goes if, you know, I begin the day in prayer. You know, as soon as I wake up, you know, I start praying, you know, uh, about the day uh, and very specifically, if you pray uh, that God will put opportunity in front of you, uh, that you can be a, a light in a dark room, um, you know, anything that comes up, uh, you know, th that you'll be able to face it and go, go throughout the day and just have a good day in general. Uh, things, actually, things go a lot better as far as discipleship goes and, and your day in general goes. Now, Austin mentioned something last week about he was talking about gifts and um, he said not everybody has the gift of talking and, uh, or the gift of gab, and that's definitely something that I do not have. Uh, now, my wife, Ashley, and oldest daughter, Abigail, they got it. Okay? <laughs> they, uh, they can talk and talk and talk and talk, and I listen and listen and listen and listen to everything I say. Uh, me, not so much. Now, Ashley... Uh, or Abigail, either one, they can, you know, go up to a complete stranger, carry on a conversation. After about a minute, I start looking off into the distance, things start getting a little awkward, and I'm out of there. Uh, so, you know, I wasn't blessed with the gift of gab. Uh, Abigail actually, she gets, she gets mad at me uh, because I'm so bad at it. 
we go to the store and the cashier says thank you have a nice day and I give them the you know the salute and uh, Abigail says uh, that was rude you didn't even say you're welcome I said yeah I thought it and gave them the salute <laughs> apparently they can't telepathically tell what I'm saying but um, yeah so I'm not a big talker for those of you that aren't big talkers uh, we're left really with our actions, you know, and as we're talking about discipleship at work, uh, you know, our action starts with being a good employee. Nobody's going to listen to you if you're a bad employee. Uh, so you know, I think we all know what a good employee looks like. Uh, you know, for me, uh, I've never been teacher of the year or anything like that, uh, like some people in our congregation have. Uh, but I think if you you were asked, I think if you asked my principal, superintendent, whatever, they would probably tell you that, yeah, he does a pretty good job. He cares about the kids. He comes to work on time. Uh, he does everything we ask. So, you know, it starts with being a good employee. And uh, I'm certainly not perfect. Uh, Austin mentioned last year or last week, you know, invite people into your mess. You know, my colleagues could tell you, you know, on a daily basis I mess up. Uh, I work with a good group of Christian Christian coaches up there, um, and you know we have our matter of fact we have our little uh, devotion book that we got from here. We come in every day and start our day like that. Things tend to go a whole lot better that way. Um, but you know, it's our actions that count. And when I do make mistakes. Um, you know, try to circle back. You know, there's always that kid uh, that really just needs a hug but is just absolutely getting on your nerves and you may have lost your patience with them. Always try to circle back and have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with them uh, and, you know, let them, you know, just let them know that you care. Um, you know, and also during those times, you know, when things aren't going so great, uh, for me personally, I just got to remember that, uh my job, you know, it was a calling, okay, uh, I, I feel like I got called into that profession, uh, so it's, as as I was studying up on this, one verse uh, popped up in my head, I had to look it up, and I'll share it, I'll end it with this, share this with you guys, in Colossians 3 and 23, uh, it says, work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord, rather than people, and if we keep that in mind, as we go through our work day, uh, then I think our discipleship will look a lot better. Before Mike comes up, I would like to pray there real quick. Heavenly Father, Lord, I'd just like to thank you for this day. Thank you for this group here today, Lord. We pray for Mike as he brings a message. We're excited about hearing what he has to say, and we pray that we can apply that into our work week. And all the things we ask in your name, amen. So thanks, Lucas. Um, one of the things we're doing with this series, and I hope you guys are enjoying it, we're getting um, some different perspectives and getting some real practical advice from people uh, living out their life as an everyday disciple. And so for me, we're talking about, as Lucas said, we're talking about, uh, you know, how you live out your faith at work. And, and obviously for the last 15 years, my workplace has been the church. Um, before that, uh, some of you know, I was a mechanical engineer for, what, was 13 years, I think, 12, 13 years. Um, and so I, I, I still remember what it's like to be in the workplace. And it's not always a place that, um, that is easy to live out your faith, right? There are people that get on your nerves. There are people who, um, 
whose character is not really where it should be. Uh, there are people uh, who say they're Christians but yet don't live like it. And uh, you, you find yourself in a place like that, and it's sometimes tough. If you think about it, though, um, really this is a place where we spend so much of our time. Um, I want to ask you a question. You know, do you remember back, and do you remember what you wanted to be when you grew up? So like a question, I mean, like most kids growing up, you start thinking about from a young age, you know, and everybody's ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to do? And what do you, and so it, it's kind of interesting that um, I would say that most people in this room did not end up in the place that they thought they would be. Is that, would that be a true statement? Um, I, I told y'all before, I, you know, I thought I was going to be in the NBA and it just didn't work out. It was this close. But it just didn't happen. Um, and so most of us, we don't end up in a place. And, and so we're kind of set up in, in some ways where I think many people have this perception of work that it's a disappointment. It's not really what I wanted it to be. I was reading some statistics this week, and it said in the U.S., most younger workers, and those workers under 34, only stay with a company an average of 2.8 years. Now, some of that's just employers not taking care of their employees and not treating them right, and um, some of it is the employees like being disappointed. This isn't what I wanted it to be. I want work to be something more than just showing up and, and getting a paycheck. And, and so I think this is such an important thing to talk about because we have to have an understanding of what work is, why we do it, and how we can proclaim Jesus in the midst of it. Um, most people spend, this is what, I saw this this week and I was like, really? And then I started thinking about it, and it's true. Most people spend more time at work in a single week than they do at church, in, in a church service on Sunday morning for an entire year. Think about that. I mean, most people are at church, uh, you know, you're at church an hour a week, maybe an hour and a half, and you come 40, and people come to church less than they used to. So if you're there 40 weeks out of the year, uh, that's probably above average in today's world, unfortunately. But that's like 40 hours. And then, but you're at work more than 40 hours every week. So what do you think uh, has the bigger impact in your life? Where do you think you have a, a, the bigger opportunity to proclaim Jesus? What if rather than seeing your job as just a way to get paid every week, you saw it as an extension of your faith? Today, that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, John Mark Comer wrote a book called Garden City, and it's a book that uh, my wife has loved, and she's given out a bunch of them to, to college students and, and to older youth, just, and it's about finding your purpose in life. And, and, and he said this, he says, what I'm getting at in, in all of this is this, in the, in the church, we need to talk about all of our life, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus at church and at our job at our school or gym or coffee shop on our day off, when we go shopping or to the theater or on a date and so on. This means we have to talk about work because it consumes the lion's share of our lives. All too often there's a massive disconnect between spiritual life and life. The way of Jesus isn't about detaching from the world and hiding in a mountain cave like somebody stuck in an episode of Lost, Okay. Jesus was a construction worker for decades in a village, Nazareth. Then he was a rabbi or a teacher. 
His way uh, is about living a seamless, integrated life where the polarization between the sacred and the secular is gone. And all of our life is a full immersion in what Jesus called the kingdom of God. But this will never happen until we recapture a theology of work and rest and the art of being human. So I want to start with a little bit of theology this morning. Um, a little bit of just thinking about why, why we work, what work is, and, and kind of get us in the, in, the, in the mindset of understanding work. Here's the first thing I want you to understand. Work is not punishment. <laughs> how many of you, I'm not going to ask you that, but if I were to ask you, like to raise your hand, how many of you think work is punishment? I have a feeling a lot of you would be like, it's punishment. You just don't know who the people I work with. You don't know what I go through. You don't know what I experience. It's punishment. And a lot of people think that theologically it's punishment because uh, when Adam and Eve sinned, the, the ground was cursed. And that we know now we have to work uh, to, 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 to eat, in, in essence. But I want to take you back and, and help you understand something. Um, and that work is not a result of the fall because work existed before the fall. And so this is the theology part, and I think it helps us to understand why we work and what work is. If we go back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Rain over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. In, in Genesis here, in the beginning, God says, I'm going to make mankind in my own image, and then I'm going to give them a responsibility. I'm going to give them a purpose. The purpose, fill the earth and, and, and multiply and, and govern it and rule over it, reign over this creation that I have placed you in the midst of it. And so when we realize that, we start understanding that work is not a punishment, that we were all created to rule and to reign over this world that God has put us in. And so work is not this something we, oh, we got to do. It's, no, it's, this is what we were made for. We weren't made, nobody was made to sit around in a hammock uh, drinking Dr. Pepper all day, Okay. That's not what we were created for. That's not how we were meant to live life. We were meant to, to, to have purpose. And, and so we, we, we don't work to, to live. We live to work. We make something out of this world that we live in. John Mark Comer goes on to say this in that book. He says, so many people think of work as the curse. I hear it all the time. I hate my job. Work is the curse, but nothing could be further from the truth. Work is cursed and you know, because we see we have to work, at, uh, work the ground to cultivate it, but work itself is the exact opposite. It's a blessing. God's original intent was always for human beings to join him in this seven-day rhythm of work and rest, and we've got to recapture this. And so my first question for you is work a blessing or a curse in your life? How do you view it? And I'm not just talking about vocation, like having a job. I mean, what you do with your day-to-day -day life, how, 
you could be a stay-at-home mom. You could be uh, working in the church. You could be working in the marketplace. You could be in the school. Wherever you find yourself on a day-to-day basis, is, is it a blessing or is, or is it a curse? How do you view work? Because when God looked over everything he made, Genesis 131, this is what he said. He saw it was very good. He saw this world that he had made and he created. He had placed Adam and Eve in the middle of it. He had given them responsibility. And he said, this is, this is the way we are supposed to live. This is the way we're supposed to live. God's intention from the very beginning was for us to work. He designed us to have purpose and meaning. He put Adam and Eve in the garden. He told them, it's your job to take care of this, right? It's your job to, to do something with it. And so work is necessary. It is hard, but we can't lose sight of the fact that God put us here to actually work. Genesis 2.15, you keep going. The Lord placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and to watch over it. Now, we, we have a, a garden at home, and we finally put up a bigger deer fence because if you know where I live, we have deer everywhere, and they eat everything. So this year, though, our garden is doing really well because it's not, uh, it's not the, the lunch salad bar for the, the deer. Um, and, and so our garden, it, it's, but it, I tell you what, if you have a garden, it's a lot of work. You know, you, you have to cultivate it. You have to pull weeds. You have to water it. Well, here, last week you didn't have to water it. Um, you had to kind of, last week we were all about to, about had a swimming hole instead of a garden. But, I mean, this, is, it takes work. But when you cultivate it, when you tend to it, it's amazing the, the amount of fruitfulness that comes from it, Right? You sit there in one little plant, it's like you're just pulling off cucumbers here and, and zucchini here and tomatoes here and green beans, and they just keep coming. Why? Because you've put time and you, you've worked at it. And, and that's really what our work life can be like. When we cultivate it, when we understand it can be a blessing instead of a curse, we see, uh, we, see we, we start understanding why God has placed us where he's placed us, which leads me to my next point. That all work matters. I think sometimes we have this perception that, well, my job doesn't really matter. Some people have good jobs. Mine is a crappy job. Some people work in the church, but I don't do anything important. Some people have a job where they're changing and transforming lives, but I'm just showing up and punching in, getting a paycheck and going home. I want to tell you that's a, that's a faulty perception, and that's not really what God has created you to do. All work matters when we do it, uh, as Lucas mentioned to, when we do it to honor Christ. And, and so you may be asking that question, why am I doing this? What, what's the purpose? Is this making my life better? Am I making a difference? And I'll tell you, some of those questions are what led me to change professions 15 years ago. Some of those questions I was struggling with, I'm like, do I really want to sit behind a, a computer? Or I felt like God was calling me to do something different with my life. And I, I, I feel like I'm doing now what I was created to do. I feel like God has got me where he, wanted, he, where he wants me. Um, but uh, if you're a Christian, we, we've got to understand, right, that all work really matters. Um, and so we've got to ask ourselves, right, uh, 
What is our work really accomplishing? What's it doing? I, I love Tim Keller has written a lot about work as well. And you can, you can look up. He talks a lot about the theology of work. And he's a pastor up in New York City. Uh, this is how he defines work. It's a little wordy, but it's good. He said, it's, work is rearranging the raw material of God's creation in such a way that it helps the world in general and people in particular thrive and flourish. Now, again, I said it's a little wordy, but, but what he's saying is what, what work is, we take what God has created, we rearrange it to do something good with it. That's what work is. Uh, and so uh, it's bringing order and harmony to the world around us. It's bringing light into darkness. And, and, and I'll just give you a side note. There are some jobs out there that I say don't do this. There are some jobs out there that cause more harm than good. And if you find yourself working in one of those jobs where you're not bringing together and doing something good for the world that we live in, you're not improving the lives of others, then I would say you're probably not doing what God has created you to do. You probably need to step back and start thinking about what do I really need to do with my life? Where is God calling me to work? But I will say there are so many jobs that God has placed us in that we're taking what God has created in this world and we're rearranging in it to help people live a better life. John Mark Homer said this in his book. He says, when a farmer takes soil and seed and rearranges it into a crop, teeming with food for people to eat and enjoy, it's, it's when a builder takes a tree and a rock and rearranges it into a home for somebody to sleep and play and relax and live in. It's when a fashion designer takes fabric and metal and rearranges it into something with shape and beauty and functionality. It's when a musician takes a sound and a tone and a melody and rearranges it into something coherent and metal. Mesmerizing when a graphic designer takes a shape and a color palette and a typeface and rearranges it into something catchy and tasteful. All of this is a work of cultivation, of drawing out something's potential. In fact, our word culture comes straight from this idea of cultivation. God's culture is a result of, of even better people hard at work rearranging the raw stuff of planet, planet Earth into a, 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 a place of pure delight. That's the theology of work that we've got to understand, right? And then the New Testament comes along and says, okay, whatever you find yourself doing, you don't do it to please people. You do it because God has placed you where you are so you can point people back to him. Where do we see this? We see this in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6 is one place. Uh, it says bond servants. Some, some of your translations will say slaves. And so do you want to, uh, we could go on a side tangent and talk about how uh, when we're under the authority of someone else, um, it's, this is, applies to work as well. But it says, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Um, and, and so this passage just says here, you've got a, a job and everybody has got the same job and it's to please Christ. It's to do the will of God. It, it, it's to serve with good will and serve the Lord and you're not serving man. And, and so Paul is telling us here, 
we've got to have this proper perspective because as soon as our goal becomes making other people happy, we lose sight of serving God the Father. And, and so we work for the king, and that changes everything. But over in Colossians, the verse that, that Lucas mentioned, it, we see the same principle in Colossians chapter 3. Bond servants obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service, again, uh, uh, but as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Whatever we do, we do it for the Lord. This changes our entire outlook when we realize we're serving God as we work. This means that when we don't do a good job, when we, stop, when we steal or we lie or we manipulate or we're lazy, that it's not just our boss that we're disappointing. It's not just the company that we let down. It means we are a representative of Christ and it's a poor reflection on our Lord when we don't do our best, when we don't work hardly, when we don't serve as though we're serving Christ. Now, I was in, the, I was in industry long enough to tell you that there's a whole lot of people that show up at work and their main goal is how can I do the least amount of effort right, and the most amount of time? And how can I do the least and get by with it and still get my paycheck and still keep my job and, and not knock myself out? But how can I just do the bare minimum? Some of y'all had that, that uh, kind of that mentality, that attitude in school, right? How can I do the bare minimum to just get through? A lot of people have carried that over to the workplace, is that an attitude that pleases Christ? Is that an attitude that people see and say, man, I want to be like that person? Can we really live like that and tell somebody to imitate me as I imitate Christ? That's what Paul said. I'm sure that many of you have worked with Christians who really aren't any different from non-Christians. And and so maybe it's gossip, maybe it's just insubordinate, maybe it's they're just lazy, maybe it's jealous, maybe it's the backbiting, maybe all that stuff that goes on in the workplace. How can we rise above that and, and honor Christ? It's to understand this verse. We're not working to please them. We're not working to... to we're working because God has put us right where we are and we're going to do the best we can to honor him. Maybe you heard the quote from Martin Luther King Jr. He said this in a sermon. He gave the illustration of a street sweeper and he urges the workers to be such a great street sweeper that all the hosts of heaven and earth will have to pause and say, here lived a great street sweeper who swept his job well. Brother Lawrence, who was a, a monk, he wrote a book called, uh, uh, Practicing the Presence of God. And he talked about how just in the simple act of washing dishes, right, he came into the presence of God on a, a daily basis. It's not what you do, it's how you do it and who you're doing it for. 
It's not what you do. It's who you're doing it for. And when we realize that, you, you, you start understanding, right? Even when you're having that bad day at work, even when you're dealing with someone who is getting on your very last nerve, it's not about them. It's about representing Christ in the midst of that. And so all work is important. But that leads me to this next idea, too, that every single Christian is involved in full-time ministry. Don't fall into this trap like, well, there's some people who the church pays to do ministry, and then there's me. No, every single one of us is a full-time minister of the gospel. And, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again. What you do when you go out that door, I think, is more important than what you do when you're here on Sunday morning. It's important to be here. It's important to learn. But when you leave this is when you really start putting your faith into practice. It's when you start living it out. It's when you have an opportunity to reach people who may never step foot in the, in the door of, the, of, the, of this church. You have the opportunity to reach people that I will never even meet or know or have an opportunity to speak to. That's how a church grows. It's not by saying, hey, everybody come to church and everybody show up and we'll have this, this, this great fun time. No, it's when we lit, go out of this place and we start living out our faith as an everyday disciple. When we understand every single one of us is in full-time ministry. Galatians 2.20 says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. Uh, but it's Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Your life is not about you anymore. Once you become a Christian, it's about Jesus. And so that means sometimes we're going to go through hardship. That means sometimes we're going to suffer. That means sometimes uh, we're going to be put in, in places and in positions that stretch us that we're maybe not ready for, that we don't really enjoy or like for a season, but God can use us to transform those places, that to bring light into darkness. He can use us to help share truth in a world that desperately needs it. So when I read Galatians 2.20, it hits me pretty hard because it just reminds me of how selfish I am. It reminds me of how my life is really not about me. And so your workplace, we've got to start thinking of, of it as this is my mission field. This is where God has put me. This is what God has called me to do. Uh, your day-to-day -day life, this is where God has placed you. And so how can you start living for Jesus where you're at? Because you're a full-time minister of the gospel wherever you are. Imagine with me, if everyday people working everyday jobs, meeting everyday customers, all shared about Jesus. How would it change? How, the potential is limitless when we think about that. How would it change this community if we truly lived like that? Think about Jesus. He was a carpenter uh, who, who, you know, a, a builder that... that he, he was able to, to minister to people in everyday life. Paul was a tent maker who started church after church after church. 
all while supporting himself because he didn't want to take money from the people he was ministering to. We look at these are everyday people who are working everyday lives who had a, a, an impact that has lasted centuries. And, and, and you look at this and why? It's because they were sharing Jesus. So, so here, let, let's make this practical. How can you really live like this? How can you live as an everyday disciple? I, I want to give you just a few things. How you can live as an everyday disciple. The first thing, you can listen. We like to, we like to talk more than we listen. We don't always listen at work. What are the names of the people at the drive-thru that you're getting breakfast from every morning? You know, do you stop and talk to people? Or do you just... I'm with you, Lucas. I'm kind of the same way. I'm just like, yep, yeah. I'm kind of focused. Let's get in. When I go in a store, I mean, my goal is I want to go straight to where I'm going and I want to get out, Right? I'm focused. I'm up. I'm like, I pride myself on how fast I can shop. <laughs> Jennifer, not so much. Okay. But do, do, you, do you know the people that you're coming into contact with? The people at the drive-thru, the people at the grocery store, the people at Starbucks. Do you, do you know their names? Do you know the birthdays of the people you work with? Do you know the birthdays and the anniversaries and you know, the, 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 the significant, you know, the, the significant events in their life. Where Are you listening enough? Or are you just talking about yourself? Take time to listen and to learn and get to know the people around you. Spend more time asking questions instead of talking about yourself. If you really want to start being an everyday disciple, start listening and looking for opportunities. And when you show that you're interested in the lives of others, it's amazing how you can share Jesus in the process. So just listen. Here's the second thing. You can serve. You can serve. It's interesting in, in Scripture when the Israelites found themselves in captivity in Babylon. They were not where they wanted to be. It was a culture that was... Honestly, very against everything they believed in. And how did God tell them to live in the midst of that? In Jeremiah 29, 7, this is what God told them while they were in exile, while they were in the foreign pagan Babylon. This is how he told them to live. He says, work for the peace and the prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. Can I tell you, if you find yourself in a place where you don't want to be, in a place that does not honor Christ, pray for it, serve, and change it. You can be the one that changes the entire atmosphere of your workplace. You can be the one that changes the entire department. You can be the one that makes a difference. I'm telling you, it's a mate. One person complaining can make work miserable, right? Amen. Y'all been there. You know what it's like. The same, the same, the opposite is true as well. One person that is focused on serving and being a blessing, it spreads. It's contagious. Can make a change. 
And so you've got a choice. Are you going to be the one that constantly complains? Or are you going to be the one that lifts people up? You can serve. And so if we're stuck with the same people every day, sometimes you're going to get on each other's nerves. But serve anyway. Uh, and no matter what's going on, you just you keep looking for opportunities to lift up Jesus and to share Jesus in the midst of that. And that brings me to the third thing. You can also model. You can model what it's like to, to live for Jesus. Everyone has influence. And your character and your integrity can be a positive influence on the people you work with. Do you realize that you disciple others by not only what you do, but by what you don't do? You disciple others by what you do and by what you don't do. And so you can model for them what it looks like to live a life that honors Jesus. You can, you can model that for them. You can show them. You can demonstrate by your life. And when they see you not getting angry, when they see you have patience in the midst of a trial, when they see you show compassion to that person who is struggling that day, what you're doing, you're modeling the character of Christ. You're modeling the fruit of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the gentleness, the self-control. You're modeling that for them and showing them what it's like to live as a follower of Jesus. So you can model for them. You can also share. You can share. I mean, you think about it. how many, if you just pray, God, give me an opportunity today to tell someone about you. And you're just constantly looking. Your, your radar is up, like looking for those opportunities. How can I take this conversation and, 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 and turn it and tell people about Jesus? That's what we're trying to do uh, just constantly. It was interesting to me. Um, on social media this week, seeing so many people talk about praising in the park. Not just people in our church, but people in the community. And just seeing, my, my kid had a great time, and this is so much fun. And I'm so glad that they, it brought churches together. It brought ministries together. And, and uh, I don't, I've not heard the final numbers. I know one night we had over 130 kids. Um, it was, I, I think I heard like at least 10 kids got saved, probably more. We'll, we'll find all that out when we get time to sit down and, and look over. I mean, this, it was an incredible week of serving. But one of the things I love is that it gave us opportunities to share Jesus. It gave us opportunities to tell people about it. And I love seeing people do that throughout the week. And then the final thing that I feel like when we talk about work and a theology of work we've got to talk about is we've got to talk about rest. You also can rest. So many people are stressed out, burned out, tired, fatigued, worn out. And the problem is, is they work all the time and they rest from work. We were created to work from our rest. Uh, there's a difference there. Uh, we're created in, 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 in the Hebrew culture, the day begins at sundown. Day begins at sundown. You rest and then you wake up and you work. We, we work from our rest. And there's this rhythm that we see when God created the world. He, he, you know, he created it and then he stepped back and, and, and there's this pattern of rest and when we work all the time, we never rest, we never Sabbath. What we're doing, we're, we, we've set ourselves up to have this unsustainable pace. If Jesus took time to rest, don't we need to take time to rest? 
we've got to get ourselves in this healthy rhythm where we're taking time to enjoy the creation, to enjoy what we've, cre- what we've helped bring together and create with our work. And if you're always working, then I'm telling you, you're going to struggle. You're, you're going to struggle. Work can also become an idol in your life where you find your identity in it. You find your, every, your whole life is wrapped up around what you do instead of who you are, your identity. And when that happens, we're going to struggle. When that happens, uh, we're not going to be able to, to share Jesus effectively. And so today, my, our whole goal is just to, to change your thinking about what work really is. Um, and, and so we can serve Jesus through our jobs. We can honor him uh, in everyday life. We can treat every person at work, and whether it's a, a coworker, whether it's that angry customer, uh, we can treat them as if Jesus is, was 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 them. I mean, we could treat them like that's Jesus. We can treat them like Jesus is right here watching us. Why? Because we're we're serving him. We're not trying to please people. And so when we start thinking about work like that, it opens up opportunities to be like Jesus in everyday life. It opens up opportunity to tell people the good news of the gospel. It opens up opportunities to share the love of Christ with the world that really needs it. I read this in another book called The Gospel at Work, and it says, your job is actually service that you render to the Lord himself. Do you think about your job like that? Do you realize that no matter what your job is, no matter what it is you do in it, no matter who your boss is or even your boss's boss, what you do in your job is done in service to the King Jesus. He is the one who deployed you there for this time of your life, and it is for him that you ultimately work. That's the mentality we've got to have as we go out in this world. Guys, I'm going to tell you that some of you are in a mission field that is hostile to the gospel. I understand that, but it doesn't change who you're working for. It doesn't change what you're called to do. You're, you're, you're called to proclaim Christ. And so I want to pray for you, uh, for, for your mission field. I want to commission you to leave here today to go out and to share Jesus. It may be the school, it may be your workplace, it may be in your family. Wherever God has placed you, that's where you're called to share Jesus. And so I'm going to pray for you right now. Let's just bow our heads. I want to pray over you right now. The praise team will come back up, but let's just pray. Heavenly Father, you have placed all of us exactly where you want us to be. We are there for a reason. And Lord, I pray for each and every person, and whether those listening online, whether those here in the room praying with us right now, that you would send them out as a missionary, as a minister of the gospel, as someone called to share the good news of Jesus uh, to those around them. We can do that by listening and modeling, serving and sharing and and serving, and all those things, Lord, but we, we do it because we're working ultimately for you. We're ambassadors. We're, we're citizens of a foreign country that have been sent to where we are to work on your behalf. And so, Heavenly Father, my prayer is that you would give us all the boldness, the strength, the wisdom, the, the, the integrity that we need to live our life for you. 
Lord, help us to, to, to shine for Jesus wherever we are. And Lord, help us to tell others about your love for them. Lord, I pray for those here today, for those listening that are struggling, that are wondering what is my purpose in life, why am I here, what am I doing? Would you help them understand um, what you are calling them to do and how you're calling them to live their life as an everyday disciple? Lord, I pray for those who don't know you yet, who are here and they would say, I'm I'm not really sure what I believe. I'm not really sure... uh, if I even know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, then my prayer would be that today, right here, right now, that they would be able to confess their sin, acknowledge their need for you, turn their life to you, and put their faith and their trust in Jesus and Jesus alone to save them. That would be the decision that forever changes the course of their life, the purpose of their life, and it starts when we acknowledge, Lord, that, you're, that you are the Lord of our life. Heavenly Father, I pray for this church that you continue to use us. Continue to use us to be a blessing to this community. That you continue to use us to change this community. Lord, we believe that there's so much more still yet to come that you're going to do through us and in us. And so we worship you today. We celebrate that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.